Directed exclusively by women identified directors that prove that the female of the species is more deadly than the male. More Deadly is a trans inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as non binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. I'm your co host, Rachel, and joining me today is the always lovely, the always insightful, the always up for anything, Ariel. Hello. Hey, girl, how are you? I'm doing good. The sun came out for like 20 minutes today and it reminded me what it was like to feel happiness. So I'm good. <laughs> oh my God. Well, that's grim. All right. Well, on that note, we all. Hashtag winning. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> you are already hearing the dulcet tones of our guest joining us back again, basically like a third host at this point. I think you're the oh most guested host we host i think so if that's true i want a t-shirt and like a blue ribbon well i know where you can get a t-shirt okay. well that's happening right now because today is a day i can feel some shopping might happen i need some yeah. catharsis yeah let's get some t-shirts that's right folks elizabeth kyle is back 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 again welcome up, thank you so much for having me it's, it's seriously so always like just the best time ever and um I never want to leave so anytime you ever want to have me I'm here we always (laughs) want to have you but you're a busy lady you're busy you're busy with all your other your other vibes you've got you're like speaking of okay so obviously bloody good horror you're a score but what else have you got going on tell us what other projects are in the works for the one and only Elizabeth well um all right I'm gonna do this thing where I'm like going to say some things I'm working on that I would a little bit like to hold myself accountable for okay. in some way. Okay. And I am about to have a, a massively different schedule um, with which to work on sort of creative ventures. Um, I am currently developing a, like, I would, mm, young adult, my daughter's the inspiration, uh, a summer camp werewolf, like, preteen pulp fiction. Ooh, no, no. that's awesome. That's- Awesome. Yeah. Well, so it like, honestly, I do this all the time where I'm like, this would be a great first chapter or what if this was the epilogue and then nothing. Like, Uh it's just like wonderful and alone out in a notebook in my mom's attic. But this, I was like, no, I I like this idea. I'm going to like actually like get a roadmap in place and like really like storyboard it. And I've been kind of bouncing things off my daughter, which has been the most fun because she's just like... A, a very discerning critic. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's very specific and singular tastes. Um, so it's been nice to hit beats with her where like, and she, know, like, she knows like I make up stories, although I do it for her all the time. But like this is like a concerted effort to obviously not scare her, but like kind of find that line of like, it can be comfort, 
to young kids. It's not something that's going to be so disturbing or alienating that like you won't want to engage with it. But then also it does have the edge of like what it actually feels like to like maybe not be scared, but like get a little tingle. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. That sounds great. Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. And um, coming soon, actually, um, my business partner and I are opening a salon (gasps) here in Memphis. So yeah, boss lady, businesswoman, entrepreneur. Uh, (laughs) You guys. Yeah, it's been a ride. It really, it's been since the pandemic, I feel like it's just been like sink or swim for me, for everyone. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I have not always swam. And it's been a very tumultuous ride, to say the least. And yeah. I feel like I'm a little bit, knock on all the wood, on the other side of some of it. And just very happy for all the people I have in my life, including you guys, Aww. and, you know, all the opportunities so to work creatively yeah. in any way on anything. So it's a good, so, yeah, it's a good time. So, if someone w- wanted to get their hair done by Elizabeth, mm-hmm. like what area roughly, or do you, maybe you don't want to say, you don't have oh, to it's say. Fine. No, want. I'm good. Okay. Um, you, I, anyone can find me on Instagram, final girl scout. Um, and if you want to DM me for appointment requests, that is absolutely possible. If you are in or around Memphis, Tennessee, so any sort like Mar- Mississippi, Arkansas, I mean, I have clients that are here for whatever reason from Houston or New York and you know, I see them every like three months or so, but like, I would absolutely love for any person listening to this or anything I'm ever on to actually like look me up and let me do their hair. That would be amazing. I want you to do but my yeah, hair. I'm, I'm really, oh girl, it's happening. Like, <laughs> and I cannot wait. Oh my gosh, I can't wait. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited. It's going to be adorable. It's a Jaws inspired theme and decor. Very like beachy, um, kind of retro vibe. Sounds so cool. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. Well, congratulations. So lots, lots going on. Yeah. Like Taylor Swift. I have a lot going on at the moment, (laughs) y'all. Like Taylor Swift, I'm a little bit gay too. (laughs) (laughs) No comment. (laughs) TikTok told me. TikTok told me. (laughs) Okay. My uh, eyes told me for decades. Got it. Got it. (laughs) Like Drew. Who's Drew? Get out of here. We all know you're lying. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. No comment. Okay, so Q and A. Let's get to know you. So you've okay. been on here uh, before. So we've done the kind of like basic things where we've kind of gotten an idea of your your sort of tastes and your perspective. But you know, we're constantly consuming horror. We're constantly discovering new filmmakers, new films, all those kinds of it's things. Ever changing. Exactly. Yes. And I feel like it's sort of the antidote to that like question of like what's your favorite movie you know like you're mm-hmm. like all of them so many yes. of them but if we keep revisiting it like there's less pressure so absolutely I love it yes all right so what are some recent horror movies that you've seen mm-hmm. that you love so recently movies I've seen that have just like absolutely fucking bowled me over Ooh. and maybe not always in a like it scared me kind of way but like that I've just been glued to my seat immediately repeat viewing telling absolutely everyone about cannot say enough about it if you try to talk to me about it like god bless you i will probably move into your house to finish the conversation it's <laughs> very intense um like i mean and it's gonna be a love letter to mia goth but like i'm obsessed infinity pool yes yeah. pearl yes and <laughs> x mm-hmm. and i can't wait for maxine oh and, so uh, that's right oh my gosh cannot wait but also i've really had fun um 
in some sort of unexpected places. I mean, always scream gets me if you, this is my thing. It's the hell I die on. I'm planning a scream like half sleeve. I love scream and me scream too. six. We'll, we'll revisit the Dermot Mulroney conversation. I know. <laughs> he can be my like silver fox pretty daddy. He's so cute. Um, but Cocaine Bear, I was really yes. into. So Elizabeth much fun. Bring it. Do some, give me more like, I just want to see her. She can stay in that like nature attacks forever. It's fine. <laughs> that was wonderful. But like, I would love to see her sort of like venture out a little bit and see, see what else she has uh, ideas for in the horror. Yeah. Escape. Well, I mean, I feel like there is this perception that horror, like horror comedies are the realm of men. So to see, I mean, totally. and there, that is not true. There have been some really amazing ones, Extraordinary, which we've talked about, you know, but mm -hmm. um, was written, I think, by the, the lead actor in that. But um, anyway. Oh, my gosh, that movie. So good. I don't so even know good. if we have time for a sidebar. You told me to watch that, Rachel, and I did one night. I've made like three people watch it. <laughs> it's the best. It's great. And I'm like, I don't care what you like or don't like or what you're – You're going to like care. this. Do you have two Do eyes like and Sandra a heart? Bullock or puppies? <laughs> like watch this movie. <laughs> two eyes and a heart. You're exactly right. Like right. that movie, <laughs> Chef's Kit. Like I don't care what mood you're in. It's so great. It's so great. Yes. So my point is like Elizabeth Banks having a theatrical – horror comedy essentially and have it do well and have it be critically yes. uh, received is so exciting and sort of oh, breaks this idea of, of you know where women can be in the horror genre and that includes horror Absolutely. comedies so yeah. that's that's yeah. rad awesome totally any other ones you wanted to talk about I barbarian I have to say ah yes Oh, I love it. You guys, I love it. So good. <laughs> I like follow Justin Long now and like he and Kate Bosworth just got engaged and like <laughs> the cutest. And, and I went back and watched Tusk. Like I like sought out some of his sort of, I can't, I don't know, Jeepers Creepers is its own Pandora's box of horrible, yeah. terrible things. But, um, yeah, that's a local like story. So Long. I really struggle <gasps> with anything, Victor Salva. Yeah. Dude, I got deep in the rabbit holes of like all that business. Yeah. Like Winter. I think before it was sort of a mainstream conversation and you'd still hear people pretty frequently mm -hmm. like very casually reference that movie in a way that I'm like, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard, but yeah. canceled times a hundred. When powder came out, I used to have to drive through a protest because No way. Yeah, because it's it's like a local it's a local thing. Wow. It's a local person. And so yeah. So like whenever Ooh. people are just like hand waving that away, I'm like, like I mm. can't. Sorry. And also, it's yeah. not actually that good. Calm down. Right. right. <laughs> You're not missing much at all. Yeah. yeah. You're good. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's been some real good ones lately. I'm I'm jazzed about I the agree. current state of of the genre. Mm -hmm. Although there is a weird trend that I'm not on board with with these weird like go nowhere horror films i won't name any names but okay. you, you've seen yeah. one you know what i'm talking about mm -hmm. where you're mm -hmm. just like wow i just spent a lot of my life that is slipping through my fingers on that right. and it went mm -hmm. absolutely nowhere <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's supposed to just exist on exist on the merit that it was made like you don't mm. you can't question anything about mm. you're just supposed oh, to be happy so if you with don't the... like it and that's mm -hmm. maybe because you're not a you know your palate for horror right. is not sophisticated yeah. enough and right. i say how it's dare little... you judginess right, around right. not liking them. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah mm -hmm. all right well who are some film makers or films that you feel like people are sleeping on okay um 
I just looked it up too, and it just they should have named it something different. Horror in the high desert. Yeah. yeah. Horror on the high desert. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Um, you can watch it on Tubi right now. Directed by Dutch Merrick. Basically, what I've learned about myself over the past like six months with some of the movies I've watched, I get really like actually scared of mockumentaries that then it's like they the slow burn mockumentary if they lull you into and have good enough like kind of character actors being like the mom the neighbor whatever those beats are so solid and I guess throughout my life dateline 20 like I've seen so much of it that like if it happens for 45 minutes I'm I am in a way I'm not aware of I don't think at the time completely lulled into this place of just like not expecting even anything to jump out at me like it's just like the tension yeah. it's such a delicious like sort of like um absence of tension because it is so mundane and you know we all listen to a million podcast true crime is everywhere like it's yeah. such a well-worn sort of um lane like once you start listening to people tell story the talking heads daniel was never seen again like all the beats <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean like yeah you just like um, you're you're like smooth brain waves um, just are in some way comforted I feel like and that movie did that so well and then pulls the red like just the minute it pops off like I couldn't get myself back like I for real was like I'm not I can't say like I'm okay right in this moment like I'm really kind of upset at like the way it scared like it just ooh. I don't know. Like, because that makes it, I don't want to, I hate overhyping a movie. Right. To me, if you can get me with a jump scare, if it is actually unexpected, it is not a black cat. Mm-hmm. It is not <laughs> yeah. kids coming to slap the window on the bus. It's not your mom and you turn around from the fridge. If it's a legit jump scare, to me, like, give this person a purple heart. Like, there needs to, is there a Nobel for, <laughs> like, you should be in Mensa. It's just so hard to do yeah. where it's, like, Exorcist 3, I'm thinking, like, where it's so good yes. mm-hmm. that you actually remember it. You don't just leave the movie Annabelle style and no hate. I love me some, like, Conjuring verse or whatever. But, like, those all blend together. It's not like you remember the jump scare. This, I will never forget. It is an image in my brain. Yes, it was a jump scare, but it was so much more. And like, I know what you're talking about. Well done. I I know. I gotta watch this movie. It just doesn't happen to me often. So when it does, it's it's incredibly effective and memorable to me. Um, But another one that actually Rachel and I talked about recently on uh, an episode of Hear a Score is The Den. I don't know Mm -hmm. many people who've seen Mm -hmm. this. Have you both? I have. Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ariel's um, living it, so yeah. I know, right? <laughs> this is correct. Uh, yeah, that one really. Again, I think it, I'm very much. If I have low expectations and go in with, which I usually do, have a pretty open mind. If I'm in a decent mood, um, yeah, you can win me pretty easy. That one, that one got me. For both, like I think people are sleeping on it, and it really kind of scared me. No, like, it's, it's scary. It's yeah, scary. Absolutely. It's disturbing. Yeah. yeah. And it's part of it is the girl. I wish I had her name in front of me. She's so good. The actress's face. Mm-hmm. There is such a innate warmth to that character that you see, like immediately in the moments where she feels threatened, mm-hmm. disappear in a way that it's like, oh, I'm like not supposed to be watching this. Like this really is like, I'm just watching a person like get scared 
yeah over and over and like yeah. in a way that like you start feeling almost like funny games like icky about it mm-hmm. and yeah. like then you can't look away I don't know like well done if you can get me that twisted up in my own head about it like it's rare and um I applaud it yeah. those are some good ones <laughs> <laughs> those are some good ones excellent excellent all right now as we said obviously this is a, a show where we talk about films directed specifically by women identified directors so like is there a a favorite woman horror director someone new or someone that just is the pinnacle for you that cannot be beat yeah um well if you have tuned into any episodes of anything I've been on where this question has even been hinted at uh, Karen Kusama is my absolute film god I just uh absolutely adore her um I'm I'm so like she's having a moment again with the yellow jackets yes Oh, it's so good. So good. It's oh my so God. good. Just, I, oh, I just love it. She's she's such a masterful storyteller that we the detail that she is able to bring out in very minimal dialogue sometimes, like really sparse just scene work and blocking and direction, like the invitation. Are you talking about the yeah, invitation? This is literally what I'm thinking of in my mind. Like it is it's a masterclass in like, I mean, fuck Hitchcock. Like this literally is like it's so it's the bomb it's so under the simple. table for sure. Yeah, right. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And so good at you building see tension. That done in so many ways where you're like bored or it's so rote that it's like you almost like are you don't care. Like it feels so familiar that you're not riveted. She has a way of doing that that you are like completely on the edge of your seat. Agree. Even though you're like maybe probably it's going to end up like this, the way she is unraveling the story and yeah, the people she chooses, the cast, everything about it, it just it's it's pretty close to perfection, in my opinion. I yeah. take it she's, personally she's that her Dracula movie got canceled. Like that's I know. a personal I know. affront to me. I know. To me. <laughs> yeah. I've been robbed of something that I wanted. <laughs> right. Like I almost wish I didn't know that ever yeah. was could have idea. been. Like right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. This is but like yeah. up there with the the alien film that got canceled so they could do Prometheus. Ugh. Right. Remind. I am a Prometheus. I am a Prometheus. <laughs> Apologies no longer, but um, <laughs> I know. I mean, there are things about it I like. There are things about it I like. I don't I don't hate it to the degree that I hate some other things, like the, the next one, but I think I'm just bitter because I know we could have had more Ripley. Yeah, I get and it. And more totally. Hicks and more mm-hmm. Newt and more Bishop, but instead we got... And that's like your... Got. That's your home base. That's your yep. 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 genre, genre. That is <laughs> all-time favorite. Yep. I love it. Numero uno. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So I think we hit all of them because we talked about the last movie that genuinely scared you. So what do you say we get into our review? Yeah, let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay, cool. So before we move forward, though, in case people are here for the first time ever, Ariel, how do we handle spoilers on More Deadly? Yeah, actually, before I do that, I want to make a correction from a past oh. episode. Oh. Okay, here we <laughs> go. It's a me correction. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> I, I assumed it was me. <laughs> I kind of hate to do this because anytime I have to admit Rachel is right about something. And <gasps> oh, I, was I love wrong, this already. It will haunt me for years to come. <laughs> Elizabeth, but... witness me. Witness I me. But I also I believe it. in intellectual honesty. And... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you remember in the Cocaine Bear episode when I was trying to get our like drunken conversation back on track? And I said that the CGI was really good. And you and Joe were like, 
what are you talking about? No, it was pretty mediocre. Okay, so if I'm honest, when I went to the theater to see that movie, I had taken my glasses off before I left home and forgot to put them on before I went out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not flying without them. And so I didn't notice that I wasn't wearing them until I literally sat down in the theater and realized that the screen was like slightly blurry. And yet you were dying on that hill. You were like so confident. I love it. I love it. <laughs> so I, the other day I was watching a YouTube video that was like reviewing like, what is Cocaine Bear one? and they showed some clips, especially of like the baby bears. And I, and I had my glasses on this time and I was like, oh, that's what they were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. So. I mean, I was, I, I actually am grateful for the bad right. CGI because it gave me like intellectual distance when there was yeah. like the small bits of violence, especially against mm -hmm. the baby bears. If that had looked really realistic, I would not, it would have definitely killed the vibe for me. So having them be like <laughs> uncanny monstrosities, I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. It's like, you're not getting laid with me the viewer if you are about to show me somebody hurting a baby, baby bear so yeah. like, let me just back off a little bit right. <laughs> yep. thank you Support. all right now for our spoiler policy <laughs> <laughs> no let's talk about how you were wrong Sarah. this is fun <laughs> no <just kidding. laughs> listen it rarely happens let me have my victory <laughs> are you ready to admit that uh that pet cemetery is an excellent film or is that gonna happen today or am i still waiting <laughs> One of these days I'll come around. I just yes. The other day. And? Yes, did. Oh, I always love it. Everybody does. So I must be wrong because like literally nobody dislikes that movie. I had a client the other day that was like, we like were making a point and like both like. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, it was inverse. Like she was saying a movie that she thought was like dumb and not scary. And I was like talking about like movies that super hold up. And like kind of at the same time we were like, scary. and I was like, oh. <laughs> I thought we were going to be best friends, but <laughs> <laughs> you'll get, I mean, Ariel and I got through it. You guys will get through it. It's not easy. I mean, you have to both like find ways to compromise and meet in the middle and focus on the humanity and the shared but legit, Every time I watch it, I'm like, damn, yeah, it's fucking amazing. this shit hits deep. It's amazing. And, like I always like try to write it off as just some like schlocky, like every time mm. I'm like, I am mm -mm -mm. moved and disturbed. And yeah. When he's just like walking to the grave with his dead wife <laughs> or like yes. walking. I'm like, God, this is fucked. I love it. <laughs> I love yes. it. <laughs> we'll see. I mean, the prequel is going to be woman directed. Maybe this will be finally the thing nice. yeah. that will turn you around. around. Yeah. I will say I have not been able to get through the book, though, because it's too much sad animals. <laughs> Dude, my mom tried to read it when she was pregnant with me, and she said she like tried to start it three times and kept getting to mm -hmm. the scene, and was like, yeah, "I can't." It's I, I, could, reading... I couldn't even get to the kid dying, just the sad dog stuff. Right, I like was half, like, "Yeah, I know." I read um, in the Tall Grass the novella when I was like seven months pregnant, and uh, it it goes places with some pregnant stuff. That, yeah. like, oh, that's right, she's pregnant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like oh, I, it's been a mile. So. It's like page two. It kind of like gets to like, oh yeah, she's pregnant, and I'm like. Uh-oh. This isn't going to be great. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I did it, y'all. I did it. Yeah. I don't, I was listening to something and I like it was bumming me out and I was like I had this moment of clarity. I was like I can quit this. Right. I don't have to continue. I'm free. This is America. Uh -huh. <laughs> and you know what I did? Uh -huh. I deleted that shit off my phone. <laughs> so I recommend that to everybody else. If you are in the middle of a book, do not be a completist. If it is not sparking Listen. joy, get the fuck out. 
I used to have a personal code of honor that like, here were the two things. I would not watch a show and ever skip the intro. I need to experience it in its entirety. If I am sitting down to watch it, I want to watch it as it was intended and not be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's weird. I don't really do it anymore. Sometimes, I, I don't know. That was a thing for years I did. I also would not stop reading a book. Oh. Like, this led to a lot of books just, like, being around in my life that I'd be like, well, I'm not really reading this, but, like, I'm not not reading it. So I'd pick it up and go, like, three chapters right. deeper and just be like, still sucks. And recently, I just did a haul to Goodwill where I was like, these are all the books that didn't make the cut. And, yeah. like, I don't have to read them. Psychic weight lifted. not summer vacation and there's no like i'm sure you. and there are a lot of books out there there are a lot of <laughs> good right? books like, out there yeah yeah, yeah. Super, yeah. set yourself free Agreed. folks set yourself free. <laughs> you heard it here first yeah, that's right zombie girls quit, quit reading just quit quit reading, quit reading exactly. your, book. your life will be better if you just <laughs> you stop reading to. stop that's thinking that's new motto yeah. don't read folks <laughs> <laughs> But I always watch the intro for Game of Thrones, of course, because it yeah. changed. Well, that tells you something. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I found out that our friend Larry didn't know that and what? never watched a single episode. Wow. Of the and then Yellow Jackets, I must watch. And now yes. it's starting to oh, change. Good. So you I have know. to yeah, yeah, watch yeah. it. But yep. see, here's my point. How would you even know that if you were a skipper? That's like if true. you were somebody, like you'd be like your Fair friend, point. like you don't even know what you're missing. So yes, it might be redundant and you might get a little... I mean, I yeah. feel like it's every other show's fault for not having an awesome 90s sounding music at the beginning. Yeah. Like if they Isn't all had the music like Isn't that, I would truth. I would stay. I'm rewatching season one every single mm. freaking needle drop. I'm mm. just like, mm. it's perfect. Mm. I love it so much. Mm. There was one this Nostalgia. last week that I, I can't remember what it was now, but I was just like, I am in heaven. But I also oh, it's realized such, it's, it's pure serotonin. But it's also one of those things where I'm like, this is amazing and so cool. And then I'm like, oh, it's because I'm doing that old person thing where my youth is represented. So I'm like, look how amazing this shit is. How cool it was. This is when music was good. Oh, fuck. I'm old. Oh, my God. It's happening. It's happening. At least we're not reminiscing about like slapping flight attendants ass. Like, I think it's cool that we're like, it's all right. We can like that music. It's not like hearkening back to just absolutely toxic behaviors. Mm. I'm just remembering that I have tickets to uh, Moscow Del uh, Meltdown, which is going to have like all of these like Riot girl bands. <laughs> I'm going to oh be like nice. in so my cool. middle-aged heaven. I <laughs> 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 cannot wait. All right. Okay. So let's talk about what we're actually, we haven't even said what we're watching yet. So Elizabeth, you got to pick the movie. What are we watching and why did you pick it? Uma is the film that I chose. Uh, we were talking about several movies in different directions we could go and this one um had been kind of like low-key on my radar for a while I love Sandra O, oh, so any reason to watch her do anything I'm down for and you know I'm always interested um now as a mother myself just exploring what horror has to say about that relationship that uh sort of generational bond that women have in families be it positive or negative and yeah it definitely hit on a lot of the themes I was hoping it would. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think we'll get into how that all worked. But um, that's just something that's a flavor of movie that I'm into every once in a while, for sure. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. All right. Oh, you know, what, Ariel, I don't think you ever told our, our spoiler policy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I derailed the conversation. <laughs> um, how yeah, did you derail so... it again? 
Remind me. You hush. (laughs) (laughs) So eventually we're going to spoil this whole movie. But first, Rachel is going to tell you a little bit about the director and the making of the movie. And then we're going to give you our general non-spoiler thoughts, tell you whether this is worth checking out. And then Rachel will give you a warning. And at that point, we're going to go full spoiler so you can duck out and watch this movie. It's on Netflix and then come back and finish listening. Yep. That's the plan. All right. So mm-hmm. let me tell you a little bit about this. Did a lot of research. Spent a long time. And then I found one article that had everything. <laughs> it so was both awesome and frustrating. Yes. But mm-hmm. let me tell you about Iris K. Shim. So she is a Korean-American filmmaker. The K in her name is actually for her original Korean name, Kiyung Mi. Oh, and she changed it at 19 because she was tired of everybody butchering it, everybody mm. forgetting it, or just calling her, hey, you. Oof. Yeah, mm. not great. No. Not great. Um, in an interview with angryasianman.com, which is a great name. <laughs> that is um, a great name. <laughs> she told this funny story about how the day that she got to go to the the DMV to get her new ID with this new English name. She was so excited because she had an easy to pronounce name and stupid Americans would finally be able to say it. And the woman behind the counter called her Irish. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Oh my. Yeah. She said it was a day of mixed emotions. <laughs> and I was just like, there I'm is sure. no hope for white people. No. <laughs> uh, okay. So she is originally from Chicago where she grew up uh, that child of two immigrant parents who weren't exactly thrilled with her filmmaking ambitions. She spoke about in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. It's a little bit of a long quote. I've got a handful of quotes in here. It's just bear with me. All right. My parents were fairly traditional immigrants. The arts in general weren't something that they were pushing. They were hoping that their kids would have a stable life with a stable career. A lot of my friends, they weren't interested in movies, so I didn't really have a group of friends running around making 8mm short films. The only faces I saw on screen that looked like me, those movies were coming from Asia. So it was a little bit difficult to see myself actually being allowed to do this, but it was always something that I gravitated towards. So in college, rather than filmmaking, she actually studied psychology, which I think probably plays into a lot of the the stuff that she ends up doing as a filmmaker. (laughs) Yeah. So... While she was uh, at college, she ended up directing anyway. She directed a 2010 uh, true crime documentary called The House of Sa, which is a – yes, it's very interesting. So it is actually a film about this the Sa family in which the sort of picture-perfect son, Andrew, is – he – he shoots his sister's fiance at her request and kills him. Oh, shit. (laughs) And what's even more interesting is the documentary – is uh, apparently narrated by Andrew. What? Yeah. So we got to get our hands on this documentary. Yeah. She made this when she was in college? I guess so. it was a student film? Yeah. Dang. I wish it wasn't a student film because those are so hard to get your hands on. But Well, it did all of the festivals. Oh. So it premiered at the Hot Docs International Film Festival and went on to win awards at the Hamptons Film Festival, San Diego Asian American Film Festival, Los Angeles Asian Pacific Film Festival, as well as the Cine uh, Master Series Award. That's amazing. So, yeah, so damn, I think I it might that. be out there somewhere, but yeah. we gotta what, get our What hands is it called? What House of Sa, S-U-H. Okay. Yeah. So after that success, Iris 
naturally became determined to go ahead and pursue her career in filmmaking and went back to school, this time studying filmmaking at Columbia. From there, after she graduated, she went to Los Angeles, where she became the assistant director for Martin Campbell, who is the director of Casino Royale. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. But at the time was making the 2017 film Jackie, uh, starring Jackie Chan, um, The Foreigner. Mm-hmm. Which apparently her parents were very excited about because they're like, they love Jake. <laughs> yeah, um, that's a big um, deal. Yeah, <laughs> it is a big deal. As for the production of this film, there's not really any sort of in between those two things. I couldn't really find anything, but eventually yeah. she started writing. Right, so the film started at her word processor. She spent about a year writing this, and it um. She was kind of like trying to kind of come up with an idea for like sort of a, a two-hander, essentially. And then it really sort of fell into place when this intimate story that she was telling, she started blending in these ideas of being Korean-American and like the her relationship to being a Korean-American and like her connection to her culture and how it's changing over the course of her life. Those kinds of things really started to make it click. And she started pulling into her, her own personal history and exploring who it was she um, is in the world. So here's another quote from her. This one from Below the Line. When I was growing up, there were these moments where I wished I didn't stick out, didn't feel different, or that I blended more. I wasn't that interested in learning more about my culture, sometimes just rejecting some of the values that my parents had tried to maintain in the house before finally getting to a point in my adulthood and finding I was proud of who I was, proud of these traditions, and I wanted to know more. I felt a little bit sad that it had taken me so long to get to that point that I wanted to embrace it. This script and this movie was very much an exercise in that, of being able to acknowledge who I was and reflecting that journey. When I see some of these Korean iconographies, some of it is unfamiliar to me. Part of it was because I didn't really ask my parents what these things were. It was also an exercise for me in finally doing that exploration and appreciation of our history. That's interesting because I feel like you feel that really strongly in this yeah. movie. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that part of the casting around Chris being biracial yeah. is about that, like that dichotomy of being Korean American. Um, yeah. And the fact that so much mm-hmm. of her heritage was hidden from her, she never got to explore it. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. interesting. Yes. So this film was produced by Sam Raimi. Uh, you may have heard of him. He's made a few little films. <laughs> and, uh, there might be a, a legacy film coming out this weekend. Oh my God, I cannot fucking wait. I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm so Bring on the cheese grater. So it was produced by San Raimi, but the way that it actually kind of came about is interesting because it wasn't Raimi who read the script, but actually uh, his producing partner, Zanib Azizi, who first saw the script, fell in love with it and showed it to Raimi. In an interview with The Beat, Iris talked about how meaningful this whole process was, um, that it was a young woman of color in that position who was open to telling another young woman of color's story um, and getting her in the door. And she credits that dynamic with helping to get the film made. And I think that is totally profound and probably very true. Yeah, well, I think that's that's so great because I feel like that's a repeating pattern we've seen with a lot of these directors where women directors in particular realize how difficult it is in the industry and tend to pull up other women with them as they as climb they that ladder. Exactly. Because exactly. dudes do it. Dudes do it yep. all the time. They, that is how the boys club was formed, right. y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, when she was writing this, she actually had an actor in mind, but she never thought in a million years she had a chance of actually getting her cast. And that is, of course, Sandra O. Oh, wow. I love her yep. so much. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's amazing. Not only was she cat was she did she sign on immediately, but she became a producer and they bonded immediately. They had all these really deep conversations about their experiences as an a Korean American and a, a Korean Canadian and like that they they like a lot of those elements and those experiences got brought into the making of this film. So, even with the backing of Sam Raimi and Sandra Oh, uh, getting this movie was made made was actually pretty challenging. Not because of financing. Obviously, they had that figured out. The thing that they struggled with was the world. Oh, the pandemic was. That? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, they yeah. were set to start filming in Vancouver in early 2020. Oh, when damn! Along came <laughs> our friend the Panini. Don't fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, the film got delayed. And in that process, they ended up moving the shoot from Canada to California. So it shot actually outside of L.A. And she talked about how in a way that was actually better because in Canada, it was kind of like, you know, gray all the time. Whereas in L.A., she had these hugely bright, sunny days and really dark nights, like I guess maybe out in the high desert. I don't know. Yeah. Um, and so like that light also played thematically into the duality that she was exploring thematically throughout the rest of the film, which I think is pretty cool. So they shot it in L.A. and it was like pre-vaccine era. So it was like pretty intense. The lockdown was very much in effect. But she said, despite how scary that was, the vibe on the set was actually like really positive because everyone there was just so excited to be back and being creative and on a set again. Oh, that makes sense. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a, a really meaningful film for her to make because it, it was kind of a dream to be able to make a film like this about complex Asian characters. It was something that she talks about how she never really saw growing up. And um, Uma and making this was an opportunity to make the kind of film that in, would have inspired her younger self to believe that she could actually make films. And so she's yeah. getting to do that. That's so true. Cause I mean, if you like, if you think about it in the last maybe decade, things have been getting a little better with like Asian visibility and in mm-hmm. movies and TV. But before mm. that, it's like, what did you have? Like the Joy Luck Club? I mean, beyond that, there just wasn't that much, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it was positive, anyways. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was plenty of stereotypical shit right. out there. <laughs> but you're right. I mean, it, it is changing with things, you know like Uma, things like Beef, things like Kim's Convenience. And yeah. I, you That's know. That's the dream, though, to be able to make the kind of art that you wish you had been able to access. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Be the change you want to see in the world. That's right. So she did that shit. She made it happen. Uma was released in, on March 18th in 2022 in theaters where it received mixed reviews. Um, however, you can make up your own mind what you think of this film because, as Ariel said, it is very readily available on Netflix. Very easy. So stream it. Put it in your eyeballs. Make your up your own mind. As for what she's doing next, sadly, I have no idea because it does. I don't know if they just nobody included it because she was like, I don't know, or if nobody freaking asked her, but I could not find anything about what she's doing. So my fanfic is that she is working on something really big and she can't talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's the radio That's silence dope. is just because she's like under an NDA. <laughs> but as far as I know, I don't. There's nothing okay. uh, that right. I could find on the horizon. All right. So that's mm-hmm. what I've got. 
awesome. Uh, she's awesome. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into our thoughts about this movie. Like I said, you can see it on Netflix, but should you see it on Netflix? This is our non-spoiler review. We're going to give you kind of like a general feeling of how we feel about this movie and uh, then get into the spoiler zone. So Elizabeth, as our guest, yeah. would you do the honors of going first and let us know what you thought of this movie? Yes, ma'am, I will. Okay, so this movie was a delight in the sense that it is beautiful and polished and very like tightly woven. It is not at all reinventing a, anything in the genre. It's not something that is going to be so like gut punch twist. I think I seek out things that are um genre exploding like, yeah. like <laughs> they can't all be barbarian like, barbarian <laughs> that's like exactly what i'm talking about so like i'm sitting just like like horny for lack of a better word for just like <laughs> the most you know what i mean yeah. like, just the most like, fallacious like what is going to happen and so when these sort of quiet beautiful films that are sort of a collection of moments mm -hmm. not necessarily in the a24 like elevated horror sort of realm where it's allegorical or symbolical or you're just seeing sort of imagery that you're left to wonder like what does it all mean this is this very is the trend accessible. i'm talking about <laughs> i know i know it is. this is very accessible and makes sense and it's abc and like you're going to get it's a satisfying conclusion it's going to give you closure yeah. um on finely drawn characters in a way that i always appreciate in film period i love to see women directing horror and it be called horror, no matter, like, I I will never be a person that's gatekeepy about, like, technically, it felt a little more like a mm -hmm. whatever. Like, this is, it It will not be horror for everyone. To a person who has ever been a mother or daughter, I think it is definitely striking a chord with um, whatever the opposite of nostalgia is. It's like a, <laughs> like, like, your memories are weapons, to quote Taylor Swift. It's called it's trauma. Trauma. Right. That's the word you're looking for. All that, yes. Um, and that was also, like, they didn't pull any punches with the um, depiction of or sort of lasting effect that we're seeing on Sandro's character um, in a way that, like, again, I always appreciate. Mm -hmm. Anything that is showing an imperfect woman, especially dealing with um, a life that is, for the most part, lived in trauma and, and, you know, trying to work through that. That is a, I do have a soft spot for this subgenre. It gave, there were some moments where I was like, I, realizing how much I like the, what's mother up to? Is it real? Is it like, uh -huh. is, it, is she sick? Is the daughter sick? Like it was giving me a little hellbender vibe. A oh, little at some points where okay. I'm like, I do like okay. off the grid, okay. mother, daughter. Yeah, that's what's true. What's supernatural happening? And like, to me, like as a single mother, especially like I, you know, not often, but like at times will imagine like, what if the zombie apocalypse happened? And like my daughter and I were just like on our own and like, you know, have I like raised her in a way that she would be resourceful at all? Or would it be like a quiet place where I'm just the whole time like, please be quiet. Like just we're going to get caught. <laughs> right? Like to see those dynamics of relationship play out in, you know, any like supernatural or otherwise horrific circumstances is cathartic in a way that um it doesn't leave me missing the m night Shyamalan 
plot twist. Sure. I, I come away satisfied. It's like it's like I ate a meal that I didn't know that was what I was hungry for. But like that absolutely was the meal I was meant to eat. I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Way to elevate the conversation. Rachel. Sorry. <laughs> when yeah. she said it, my stomach went. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> it was like, oh, yeah, food is it exists. You want some of that. <laughs> oh, all right. How about you, Ariel? Yeah. Okay. So one like both of you, I'm sure I absolutely adore Sandra O. Oh, I think. <laughs> Way to elevate the conversation. <laughs> You're oh, such a God. butthole. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta throw it back at you every once in you a do. while. You know? I love, I, you know me, like teasing is my love language, so yes. it felt like a cruel hug. And I loved it. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so Sandra O. Oh, she's amazing. She's such a great actor. She is so likable and like there's so much emotion on her face at all times i thought that dylan mulroney that's his name right because i always get him mixed up with mcdermott but um okay i think i've blended it no 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 it's dermot mulroney damn it (laughs) and then there's leave it in (laughs) (laughs) i even have it wrong in my notes i'm such a dumbass okay dermot mulroney i thought he was really good too i thought the daughter was. was pretty good And I really enjoyed kind of some of the quieter moments between the mother and daughter. There's a scene where they're sitting on a bench and like reading together and it felt so natural. Like they really were related, like just the way that they casually touch each other and stuff I thought was really great. And that's another thing that was in Hellbender too, you know, where there were these like quieter scenes where they felt very much like mother and daughter. I think there is some really cool imagery in this movie, especially around like bees and then some of the Mm -hmm. Korean iconography and like the Hanbok and stuff that's included in this movie that I thought was really well done and original. Like Elizabeth, you were saying, I liked the themes of this movie. I think exploring mother-daughter relationships and dynamics is always really fascinating and adding in sort of the struggle of being an Asian immigrant when you start talking about the grandma, I thought was really interesting too. And uh, we'll get into it in spoilers, but there's a conversation around that that I found really moving and kind of eye-opening. For me, all of those things worked super well. It's beautifully shot. I think it looks really great. I think where the movie failed for me is in the horror elements. I just think that they're really predictable. They're too few and far between. I didn't think they were that successful or scary. I think that as a straight drama, like those parts of the story worked really well for me. And maybe if it was just a drama, there would have been more time to explore the themes in more depth because I just think the scares weren't weren't doing it for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's fair. I think I'm just so in the bag for this kind of thing. Like there's so many elements that are always going to hit for me. I think... Elizabeth is right. Like this isn't exactly this is not a genre buster. This this follows a formula that is um, very like comfortable and familiar. Right. But the execution and, and all of the sort of things that are that are put on that framework is what works for me. I mean, and that matters because we've yeah. seen this so many times fail hard. Oh, oh sure. yeah. You know what I mean? Like that matters a lot. Mm hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it's full core. It's full core that I'm unfamiliar with. So it's like fresh mythology. Um, It's mother-daughter dynamics. It is, to me, the horror aspects 
actually did work, not so much like the supernatural spooky parts, but the psychological horror aspects of yeah, this. Yeah, that's like, true. The, the dynamic of the mother changing, the her mercurial nature, the like loss of trust and loss of like understanding the identity of their parent. Like there's, you know, these things are because of life experiences. These things are really impactful for me. Yeah. So to some degree, this movie was a little bit made in a lab for me. So I, I don't know how objective I'm going to be when I talk about this movie because there are so many things because of personal experience that I really connected with this. Like all of the stuff about the mom felt really high stakes for me. I also like am of an age where like, you know, I'm seeing some of these patterns, like these generational patterns of behavior and like showing up in unexpected ways and places. So like, I think there was a time where I would have watched this and very much identified with Chris. But Mm -hmm. as I was watching this, I really identified with Amanda. And that was really powerful for me. It's not a story that I think, it's not that we've never heard that before. Obviously that's a, it's a trope that because it's a truism, you know, but I don't know that I've seen it presented specifically this way. It made me think a little bit of the rel, not the yeah, the relic, and like those dynamics of like the mother daughter grandmother. I can see that um, that kind of generational trauma being passed down and generational trauma, being... and then also like the mental health aspects yeah. of it potentially. Like, and also I have to understand like it is important to hear the same story told with all the different voices yeah so like it's never a knock for it not to be right so original that you're like you know like writing think pieces like it art is allowed to be a comfortable accessible thing and I think that it does do what it's doing very well and comments Mm -hmm. on the themes they're trying to touch on pretty thoroughly yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um I also think that the performances of this really elevated. Mm. I mean, across the board, I think uh, her name's Fievel Stewart, I think, plays the daughter. She's incredible in this. I She's think great. the friend who could be so one-dimensional actually brings a lot to that performance. And yeah. their dynamic is really interesting. Yeah. I kept yeah. being like, kiss. Kiss. <laughs> Spoiler, they do not kiss. But. <laughs> I thought it was going there, too. You did? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know she's cute with her little freckles. Well, I just like, was like, just with my know. Barbies, like, I know, right? Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, the the. All of the dynamics between Sandra Oh and her and their relationship, I felt like the movie was very interested in exploring that dynamic and in a way that allowed it to be messy in the way that real relationships are. Um, I don't think you have to have a complicated relationship with a parent to appreciate and connect with this movie because I think there's also beautiful aspects to the mother-daughter. Like, I don't think it vilifies that relationship. But it does get at the ways that, like, you can love too hard even um, and how that can become a toxic dynamic. I don't know. I thought this was a really interesting movie. I think it is well directed and well worth checking out. Um, I think there's going to be a certain part of the audience who's just like, there's nothing for me here. And we'll just call them men. But (laughs) I think, you know, a lot of maybe more enlightened gentlemen can appreciate like the insight into a relationship that they maybe don't personally have, or maybe they can connect it to their own relationship to their mother or their father. The parental relationship I think is, you know, that's universal, but I do think at at its core, it's an incredibly female centric story and 
that's a plus for me. So I would say check it out on Netflix. (laughs) You have Netflix. Netflix isn't always the best with the horror selection. There's a good one, Random. Just go watch it. Yeah. So (laughs) it's so easy. Just go, yeah. Yeah. Watch it. All right. Awesome. Okay. So those are our non-spoiler thoughts. You now know where we all land. You've got a good idea of what to expect. Uh, if it sounds like something you like, you'd like, check it out. If it doesn't sound like something you like, do it anyway. Um, but <laughs> don't spoil it for yourself because we are getting into the spoiler zone now. This is where we tell everything about the movie. This is where we tell the end. This is where we get into the themes. This is where, if there is an M. Night Shyamalan twist, the twist will be revealed. And this is me vamping and giving you time to get the hell out of here. You should have by now come on like did you drop your phone pick it up hit the pause it's gonna be fine it's in the bottom of your purse dig 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 you've had enough time we're getting into it spoiler zone starts now ariel you have the synopsis lay it on me okay so this follows a mother and daughter it's amanda is the mother chrissy is the daughter and amanda and chrissy live out on a farm where they raise bees for honey that is sold by dermot mulroney's character (laughs) He works in town at a little store and he sells all of their stuff online because they do not use any form of electricity because Amanda seems to have some kind of allergy or reaction or pain sensitivity sensitivity, uh, Mm -hmm. to any kind of electricity. So they live in this old farmhouse and they use candles and lanterns and all of that kind of stuff. And no cell phones can come onto their property. And uh, they are just sort of living this quiet life when all of a sudden, Amanda's uncle shows up from Korea to bring her uh, her mother's ashes and like personal belongings in this sort of suitcase. And it's a very angry conversation. He's mad at her for leaving her mother to like die, quote unquote, by herself or whatever in Korea. And uh, it doesn't end well. He leaves and leaves her with these ashes. And we sort of discover that Amanda clearly has major issues with her mother stemming from what seems like a fairly abusive childhood. I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. (laughs) So uh, as the movie goes along, Chrissy, the daughter, starts to want to pull away a little bit as she wants to make friends and maybe have access to cell phones or the internet or whatever and really wants to go to college as well. And Amanda does really does not want that. She encourages a friendship with Dermot Mulroney's uh, niece who is visiting, but gets very angry about the idea that she may want to go away and leave her to go to college because they have this like beautiful little life together. As all of this is going on, Amanda starts being haunted by the spirit of her mother who is attacking her and is very angry that she's not kind of laying her ashes to rest and um, allowing her to move on. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And allowing her to move on to the next plane. So she's very much haunting her. Eventually, she even kind of takes over Sandra O's body. Yeah, I I like the effect of the like one older eye. Yes, very, Mm -hmm. very cool. I also very Mm -hmm. much liked the changing photographs in the house. Mm -hmm. I thought that was probably for me the creepiest moment of the movie that was cool yeah so she haunts her and eventually the daughter Chrissy kind of figures out what's going on there's conversations around 
how her mother treated her, uh, how Amanda's mother treated her as a child. We find out that the reason she's so kind of freaked out and affected by electricity is because her mother used to make her hold this like lamp that had a frayed cord and electrocute her when she had done something the mother didn't like. We find out that the mother's um, husband brought them over from Korea to the U.S., but then kind of abandoned her, and she was left living this life that she didn't want in a country where she didn't speak the language and people were uh, not kind to Asian immigrants. And so that really deeply affected her, and she sadly took it out on Amanda as a child. And then Amanda ran away um, and kind of never looked back. And in the end, there's sort of peace made between all three generations. They put the mother, the grandmother to rest and Chrissy is able to go off to college. Yep. Like a surprisingly happy ending. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated that the movie was invested in the humanity of all three generations, ultimately. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think it ever lets grandma off the hook for no. her horrific abuse. But she also is a person and like, it's a, a hurt person hurting someone. Yeah, like, you gain a deeper understanding about. of her. And in the end, there's like respect paid to her remains. You know, it's not like mm -hmm. they just like throw her off in a ditch and that's where the movie ends. Yeah. And it's like it's a respect to her remains and also a respect and rec like reclamation of a culture yep. that happens that's really Absolutely. powerful for everyone. Yeah. I, I really like the sort of nuance with which they treat, um, I mean, really forgiveness sort of at the core of what's going on yeah. between family members, specifically mothers and daughters, I think can be so difficult because I'll interject personally. Growing up with um, one, possibly both of my parents um, dealing with OCD was there were moments of this movie that for both women for the Uma and Amanda where there is not a parent that is not like trying. I mean, you're waking up every day and you are doing the absolute best you can with the information that you have to work with. It's not like there are moms that wake up and are like, well, I'd just rather smoke crack. Well, that's what I'm going to do today. Or like, it, it's very, it's so, it's the hardest job in the world. I mean, saying that not having had every job in the world, but like, it's terrifying. That's its own horror story, being a parent. But to to feel like a, as a mother that you are going to be sort of immortalized in your weakest moments as a parent where – and obviously the abuse that we're seeing in this movie, it's not just like not following Dr. Spock's great mom handbook or whatever. Like right. it's pretty <laughs> horrifying. That all, like you're saying, like that that pain, that hurt, it all comes from somewhere mm -hmm. and it doesn't, it's not born in a vacuum. And I think what does sort of make this story different is exactly that, like where the seed of anger and like where, where it comes from is important, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. It's not just we're watching another like Carrie White and her like religious, like it's not, it isn't the same story. It's all very colored, I think, by the culture it, it comes from and the people who experienced it. And yeah, it's the fraughtness of a mother-daughter relationship. And then you bring like three generations into it. Um, I mean, that's scary in and of itself. Like, Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, learning that the, the what the grandmother went through and how hard that was on her, of course, she didn't handle that in a good way. She was abusive to her daughter. But then 
that abuse obviously traumatizes Amanda. And that trauma leads to her treating her own daughter in not always the best ways, right? She wasn't abusive towards her, but she also, like, kept her sequestered away from the rest of society. Especially Amanda and the way that she treated her daughter was kind of what reminded me a little bit of just growing up with rules I didn't understand, honestly. Ah, Like, ritual things that, you know, it wasn't my job as the seven-year-old to ask if somebody actually was allergic to technology or to dispute that that could even be a thing. And I really like how they treat that because it is so, it is real to Sandra. Like the moment where they sort of have a confrontation where her daughter is saying like, you were never set, like this, this was never a thing, right? Like really calling her out and trying to like drag the truth from her, which is putting the character in such a vulnerable state because she you can see her not having the words to express like how real it is like to to her a sensitivity to technology like that is it couldn't be a more true statement when she is around it it's triggering her to the point of you know like not leading a normal life yeah so mm-hmm. the truth in that and also using that as sort of the bubble that she keeps her daughter in I think really nicely reflects the duality of like trying to protect and inform your child mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in a difficult situation, especially like it's it's just not black and white. And I think that Sandra is the perfect person to kind of play a character that's going to sort of sub subtly, I think, waver between what you're like super on board with as like, yeah, you're you're a parent, you're protecting her, and then you're like, well, I don't know what the motives for that are. But then you, because of the filmmaking, I think it brought into the emotional core of each character and what they're going through in a way that I think really informs the motives. Yeah. I mean, well, because I think it like really highlights the ways now, like the, on the extreme end is her, her, is Uma, but like the, the, the damage that is being done by Amanda comes from such a good place and it gives Mm -hmm. you that dichotomy. Right. And then it also, it, it, it adds in an element of how, something that can be good at one age can be bad at another because when she's a child that setup is perfect like she's completely focused on her she's able to give her like the dream right to give your child everything to give them the life Mm -hmm. that they want homeschool them if that's what they want start a a honey farm for them if that's what they want but with that it has a shelf life you know what i mean it's gonna go off if you hold on to a a a growing human the way that you would a child when they're getting older, that can sour. And then what happens is unintentionally, you recreate these dynamics that you ran from as a child. And and I think it 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 shows that in a way that's like over the top because it's in the horror genre, but it's like really a clear illustration of how these dynamics can really play out from a good place in real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also think it's maybe a good illustration of how like racism and prejudice can be disabling. Ooh, yes. Preach. Yes. I just think Mm -hmm. that that's something that not everybody thinks about, but the ways in which we disenfranchise people and treat them badly, that is also not done in a vacuum. Like it has effects on people's mental health and physical health. Mm. And uh, that Mm. is disabling. And then we treat disabled people terribly and don't understand them. Yeah. And so it's just like this vicious cycle. And I think yeah, this movie kind of touches on that a little bit. 
think you're right. It also is incredibly isolating, right? Like yeah, on one absolutely. hand, we have this idyllic honey farm, but like there was a different kind of isolation that that the racism that you're talking about. Created. Well, I, yeah, I was about to say it definitely parallels like what will be happening socially, politically to you anyway. Why don't you just build your own sort of cut off from, you know what I mean? Like it's a, in a way sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, both with the generational trauma and the sort of societal implications of doing what they're doing, coming where they came from. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the other, obviously the other theme really, I mean, you're totally right, Elizabeth. Sorry. I didn't mean to like derail. <laughs> like, not no, you, yeah. you're, you're making an excellent point, but I, and this is something I can't speak to as much because it is not, I mean, I'm not Korean. I am like as vanilla and boring as they come culturally. I'm, ugh. I'm Wonder Bread, essentially. I mean, like, it's a shame. It's a shame. Because, Swiss like, cheese. Nice like, to meet you. Right. Exactly. I mean, even Swiss cheese has a little funk on it. You know what I mean? You got something. <laughs> but, like, it's a shame yes. because, like, you know, my family, like, uh, on my mother's side was very, like, they're Portuguese and they were very involved in the Portuguese community here. And, like, all of that culture, like in one generation, just like my mom didn't care about it. So, well, because that's I, what racism does. Whiteness right. overshadows everything. You're yeah. losing all of your culture, too. It's just like mm -hmm. the patriarchy hurts men and women. Racism also hurts white people in a way that white people don't you even You know what? See. You're right. I am the victim of racism. No, Thank you for not. finally <laughs> saying it. Saying. Finally. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> no, I'm just you kidding. Lose culture. <laughs> no, you're absolutely yeah. right. I'm just being an because, asshole. But yes. You know. You're, white no, you're, supremacy uh, is evil, and it's going to yeah. take away your culture too. Even if you think you're just Wonder Bread, you know. Right. I mean, and I am, but yeah. like, and I mean, I, I wasn't even. God, I didn't even mean to. I wasn't trying to say that I was the victim in this. I was just trying no, to say, no, I, like, misunderstanding each other. <laughs> no, I understand what you're saying, but I'm worried that I was sounding like that was where I was no, going with it, and <laughs> I want to just make it clear that I don't actually think that. <laughs> but my point was, I've lost my train of thought. No, my point was essentially, like, so I can't totally speak to this experience because I am yeah. not, like, the child of an immigrant. And I, but I think I appreciate getting this perspective that as someone who does not have that lived experience, I feel like I have a richer understanding of the world as a result of having this kind of story told. Yeah. And it like speaks to the necessity and the privilege of getting to hear these stories that we get when we open up the opportunities for different voices to come in. It enriches us personally and it enriches the genre and this film mm. is a perfect example of that that's where i was trying to go with this <laughs> not i am a victim of racism no that's not, that's not what i meant at all i was just trying to point out that like a no, lot you're... of people don't see that you know no that, you're like, right white supremacy also like it takes stuff from everybody and that's why it's so mm -hmm. evil to support it in any kind of way that you do yeah yeah no you're absolutely right but not I just... that like oh, i feel like this is so hard to like not no, so you're you're making perfect sense. I your 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 um like comparison to the way that the patriarchy hurts everyone. I that's what you're saying is like yeah. white people think that they're benefiting from white supremacy if they're white, but really the harm is everywhere. 
like more for some people than others. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the point is like, it's not good for anybody. Let's fucking dismantle this shit is what you're getting at. Yes. That's what I was trying to say. Thank yeah. you for being more eloquent about it. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. You're in trouble if I'm the eloquent one. <laughs> I am the word salad. I'm human word salad. So. <laughs> save us, Elizabeth. Save us. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, put my degree to use that never gets flexed with words <laughs> i have none that's it well, i would just say that on top of like the generational stuff and the things about like the korean immigration to the u.s that's all really interesting and like adds rich texture to this i also really appreciated the creativity in using the hanbok to attack her with like the mm, sash and yeah. then going over her head i thought that was really interesting but then like you oh, were saying cool. In the end, she ends up kind of like reclaiming that heritage in a positive way, which right. I thought was yeah. really cool because she has completely disconnected herself from her culture because of her experience with her mother. So she doesn't speak the language around her daughter. Her daughter knows nothing about their religion or their cultural identity at all. She has no clue about any of that. I mean, she even lied about like who her grandparents were to her. And so having that sort of come full circle at the end where She's at least made some kind of peace with what her mother did to her. It's allowed her to like reclaim her culture and pass it on to her daughter, which is really beautiful. Right. Right. Yeah. And I do think I like that 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 forgiveness is actually really about how forgiveness isn't always about the other person you're forgiving. Like mm -hmm. it's about setting yourself free of something. Yeah. And I think that really comes across with Amanda like yeah. she forgives the mother and she's able to you know because ultimately mom's a metaphor right so like right. The, the ghost of mom so by giving herself the gift of forgiveness and like making peace and embracing her culture she's actually setting herself free and I think that that's like an important lesson around trauma right is sometimes you gotta you gotta do the stuff that that will that will be self-healing ultimately you know like yeah. letting go with some of that stuff Right. I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I think this movie is pretty deep. I don't know. I liked it. Like, I get what you guys are saying about it not being like the scariest movie ever. But yeah, there's I not mean, always. Yeah. I don't always right. need I a mean, movie to be super scary. Right, I, think I just right. meant that like it attempts to do all of these kind of supernatural things. Mm -hmm. And those were like the least effective element in the movie. To me, the story about the mother and daughter relationship, all of the themes that we talked about, having this kind of, um, folklore from a different culture that was really mm -hmm. interesting mm -hmm. uh, but I just thought that the horror elements itself were kind of middling you know okay. they were That's predictable fair. and not fabulous <laughs> there was one little thing that only happened once and I wish there was more of it but the first time when she opens that box and she's like revealing the mask mm -hmm. yeah there's like a little puff of something that's like right behind her mm -hmm. Did you yeah. catch that yeah. was creepy yeah, that was yeah. I was hoping for more of that because right. I actually felt like that scare it felt like it felt like it was going somewhere really interesting and I wish mm -hmm. there was a little bit more of that because I did like it yeah, I think if the if the supernatural horror part had been taken just a little bit further, this would be like an A plus for me. Yeah. Also, R.I.P. Chick. Oh, I know. Yeah. Man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't like that part. Yeah. <laughs> That's my criticism. No more killing animals, please. <laughs> Let me have my gruesome, horrific, transgressive, disgusting uh 
genre with 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 no animal violence, please. <laughs> I'm very sensitive and delicate. I know because here they don't even show it really. You just see the boot come down, right? No, don't. Oh gosh. Sorry. No, it's fine. Any other thoughts, Elizabeth? Anything you we didn't touch on? I mean, honestly, like this was a movie that probably I won't be like rewatching a ton. Um, but I think it did what it's set out to do really effectively. And I think that it's um definitely was this we were talking earlier about the other projects that this filmmaker had worked on. Is this the first feature? Or yes. Was there... Well, there was the documentary, but this right. is the first like I mean, that's narrative really impressive. feature. Yeah. yeah. So I'm yeah. definitely like staying tuned for more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. How about you, Ariel? Anything we didn't touch on that you wanted to talk about? No, I think we covered it. Look at us. So efficient. I'm going to be able to eat <laughs> soon. This is exciting. I don't know if you know, but I'm hungry and I'm going to start drooling again. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Well, final recommendations. Ariel, would you recommend people check out Uma? I would say come for the human elements of this story. That's where it really shines. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for the horror, though. So gotcha. just know what you're getting into. All right. How about you, Elizabeth? Would you recommend Same, it? I, I definitely will recommend it. Um, it's one that I will recommend to, you know, movie fans of all walks of, like, not specifically the horror crowd. Um, but I will as well to that community. I think it is definitely worth the time. And, again, we'll definitely be checking out Whatever she's bringing us next. For sure. For sure. And come for Sandra. Oh, I mean. I mean, I that's mean, true. Come yeah. on. <laughs> You're not going to be wasting your time. <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely. I think this is. Here's the thing. I think this is one you could so easily recommend to normies. Because that's what I'm saying. Like, I am going to be recommending this to every Karen. I'm doing a bang trim on for the next <laughs> Yeah. They're going to love it. Right? It's a great gateway horror, especially 100%. if there's someone who really likes dramas. But for me, because it's I, – I like full core. Anybody who likes full core, I think, should definitely give this a look because it is a it is a, a u- more unique spin than what we've seen. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. Love me the Wicker Man, but I've seen just about all right. the Celtic ho- – that. It has to offer. And I'll, I'll keep watching it. I'll keep watching it. Keep bringing it to me. You know, like, men was amazing. But yeah, I want different. But I want different, different stories. I different, want different flavors. Um, I want, yeah. Yes. When you get it from I a want... different cultural perspective, it's always really interesting. Totally. Mm-hmm. And fresh. And that's hard to find in the horror genre, I think, if you've been at it as long as some of us have. Yep. So I would love, <laughs> I want Iris to do another one. Like, come back, do more yeah. Korean folk horror, please. Like, For sure. Yeah. Like, can we get a period? and full core film here. That'd be cool. Ooh. We could bring, it'd be like, Sandra O oh could play again. Are we talking historical or menstruation? <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little <laughs> bit of column B. Porky no los dos. But like, like I would love to see like maybe a handful of generations back, but Sandra O oh comes back and plays the character again, right? That would be rad. I would be that super, would be cool. super into that. All right. Awesome. So I would say a soft recommend across the board, a little bit harder recommend from a moi. But I am always the nice one, aren't I? So. <laughs> you are a lovely human. She is. I know it's true. I try. I try. I don't always <laughs> succeed, but I try. Um, all right. So for those of you at home, what did you think of this movie? Did you like it? Did you not like it? Do you have a recommendation that of something we need to see? Uh, do you have 
any insight into what Iris is doing next? Because I want to know. You can always email us at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can hang out with us on the Facebook group or slide into the DMs at ZG Podcasts. That's ZG Podcasts, plural, on Instagram and Twitter. If you're enjoying the show, you know what to do. Leave us a review or rate us on wherever it is that you get your pods. If you're looking for something else spooky to watch tonight because you've already watched Uma like a good listener, you stopped when we got to the spoilers and went and watched it and now you're back, then check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at zombiegirls.com where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening. It's the best thing ever. It's, it's thank you. It's so helpful. I say it every time I here. I you just sing the praises. <laughs> That means I, so much to like, me. I go to it frequently. I really, really, really do. Oh, my God. And, like, I enjoy it so much. I've sort of, like, compartmentalized and divorced it in my mind from, like, because we are, like, friends. Like, I yeah. Yeah. know and speak to you regularly. And yeah. it would get annoying if every single day I was like, thank you for doing this. <laughs> it, it would not get annoying. Like, hey, <laughs> then I'm going to add that to my reminders for tomorrow. <laughs> oh, Expect yeah. it. Good yeah. job, friend. That actually means a lot. I mean, it's it's how... Uh, it's a lot of work, but it also like kind of feeds the hoarder. Like I can, I'm like the, oh. it's like a dragon, like yes. sitting okay. on all the VOD Tell listings. Me, do you get a little, yeah. Do you get when I get down those sort of tunnels and like collecting information or learning about like micro things? Just like this movie, that movie, this. Oh, and mm-hmm. they did this, and they and this is casting, yep. whatever. It almost hits that same place for me in my like monkey brain about lizard, whatever we are, like. About uh, be true. Right? like <laughs> shopping, like it's very close. It's almost neighbors with whatever that place in my brain yes. is. It's like clicking on Amazon, yes. and it's much less destructive yes. to my personal life. To and it also means and, I get to be yeah. a know-it-all about something. Which so, like just, the other part of so my good. brain, that's the other pleasure <laughs> center in my brain, is like collecting and hoarding and being mm-hmm. a know-it-all about. Something. I'm glad you enjoy it as much as I do because. <laughs> There's a I reason really we're do. friends, Elizabeth. I know, right? There's a reason we're because we get to be know-it-alls together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> also, you, don't. Ariel, you are also a know-it-all. You're part of the crew, the know-it-all crew. <laughs> you just yeah, know it all right. about the black and white movies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we were um, just talking about that on Bloody Good Horror. Yes, I, might have I know. Added you as somebody who didn't like black and white movies. <laughs> oh my god, was Casey I'm so dragging, disappointed? <laughs> no. Dragging Eric, kicking and screaming. Not that's not fair. He is a very willing participant to uh, any Elizabeth pick, as he calls it, which is wonderful. And we get to watch just both of our favorites and and learn about movies, each other. It's great. Um, but yeah, I'm making him watch black and white classic. Movies that I know, like, he'll be like, I think we, I saw this in college in, like, a film class or whatever. And I'm like, well, your eyes will be open this time. You will, like, there will not be a test <laughs> I don't need, like, feminist Except for there will be. Alfred Hitchcock, <laughs> but kind of. Like. Yeah, he said that he was learning to love them through your eyes. So. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. I know. I need yeah. to. I need to. I know. I know. <laughs> I feel no like there. I should be into There's them. There's so many movies. There's so many amazing costumes and styling and makeup and all the things that I love about that era. What's great though too is like, I'm breathing hard. I'm like so excited. I'm like, <laughs> uh, I love you. Me. <laughs> what's great about it is like so quickly you forget 
how hokey it is or what kind of crazy accent that I'll talk with it. Like, it's just like this that aff- weird affectation of the, continental, the Judy Garland yeah. of it all, like the very elevated Hollywoodness of everybody. But like, it to me always is so comforting to see that like, I'm not just some gore hound that's like, gross me out. If I'm not fucking disgusted, I can't watch. No, I can sit down with this high- highbrow shit and be like, you know what? If a story is good, well told, and has elements of horror, that pings it all for me. So, mm-hmm. like, we can all be smart too. Like, it's it's not a you know what I mean. Like, uh, let's curate a list. Let's have a, okay. a group watch. I need okay. a I need an Elizabeth pick as well. Apparently, oh, you you and Ariel can it. can can uh, can collaborate and pick something like coming from a gal who loves Pet Cemetery. I will show you. Some <laughs> oh, oh, Ariel, some shots fired. <laughs> Ariel, I love you. At all, made it through my Betty Davis list. No, oh my gosh, that is Rachel. I know. I how's Andor coming along? (laughs) Ariel. (laughs) Hey, I at least watched like eight episodes. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're on episode eight. You haven't. You gotta get to episode ten. No, I know. I do. I just have to find the time. I will do it. There are too many shows that have come out right now. I know. So much TV. I know. But I need you to watch episode ten. Vanderpump Rules is taking up a lot of room in my head. I get it. it. Scandal Ball is really taking us all. Yes. What you gonna do? That and yellow right. jackets. It's- I do feel like Scandal has also brought us all out of the dark. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> all of the people who've yes. been VPRing been for years, a galvanizing force, and the- we're out. Who never would have admitted it? I wouldn't say we're yeah. proud, but we're out. <laughs> it's on real news. It's on real news. I know. Right? Like, I know. Okay. Like my mom's like, who's this? Like. Talk what? And I'm like, Mom, okay, it's, sit down. The shit is on CNN, okay? <laughs> like, as it should be. How is Vanderpump Rules legitimate? I don't understand, but it's, it's this is the world we're living in. That we live in, where Lisa Vanderpump is being. Um, I'm getting sound bites like she's running for president. <laughs> right. I need constant coverage. Like we're in like Supreme Court. I want just just keep the cameras running. I just want to know it all. Yeah. Okay. So this is a very important potentially friendship changing question here are we team ariana or team raquel wait are you asking all of us yes oh i have to go yeah (laughs) ariana 100 percent, all the way yeah okay cool all right that's all i need to do i was trying to show someone the revenge dress last night and they were like i don't like it what i was like she Get looks out of my life. Amazing. 20 years of friendship yeah. down the drain. <laughs> we were good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that revenge. It turns out, actually, our friend Matilda's friend took all of those oh. photos at the. <gasps> really? At the, yeah. She was like, oh, she took some Vanderpump Rules pictures. I don't know. And she shows me. I was cow. like, those are the reunion photos. That's the freaking oh revenge God. dress that's on CNN. This yeah. is a big yeah. deal. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. What a, what a world. I don't even remember where I was. Oh, yes. BOD calendar. If you're looking for something spooky, check it out. Check it out. out. Check it out, you guys. It's awesome. And then if you want to support us, there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. Obviously, like I said, you can leave us a review. You can also buy some of our sweet, sweet merch. At- like I'm gonna. Go buy a t-shirt, guys. <laughs> um, at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. And of course, we have a Patreon. If you would like to support us, there's lots of cool perks. You get extended episodes, bonus episodes, live episodes. You get our zombie bites. You get to join our page or our Discord, which is the best perk, I think, because it's pretty. It's well, I mean, because you don't have to wait for it. It's always there, and we're always on it. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so- <laughs> 
you have a problem. <laughs> yeah, it is a constant stream of Zombie Girls content um, and all of our weirdo friends. Elizabeth is technically on there. and Someday we'll get her to be to. on there all the time. That's right. I need to engage. Yeah, you should. Everything to settle down for a minute. But yeah, there's a whole <laughs> channel. I need to be. Where all we're talking about is Vanderpump Rules at this point. So well, if you, I need to be. You, yeah, you <laughs> need right. to get into it. Um, yeah. So that is it, except for our plans for the next episode. Ariel, what are we doing? So for our next episode, we are going to be watching the invitation, but it's the 2022 one. Because ah. we already covered the original Karen Kusama movie with Elizabeth, her first appearance oh, on the show. Yeah. yeah, I know we were like joking that we're going to have you only come on for invitation. For the <laughs> you know, and for that reason, I almost picked her. I to be like, round Let's do it. <laughs> so this one is directed by Jessica M. Thompson. And it is about a young woman who is courted and swept off her feet only to realize that a gothic conspiracy is afoot. Oh, afoot. Yeah. and you can watch this one on netflix too yeah awesome all right well elizabeth as always you are amazing and beautiful and smart and insightful and i'm so grateful that we are friends and that you are willing to come on here and do this with us absolute same i love you guys both so much um it just feels like home every time so anytime and we can talk about anything, which honestly we have. And <laughs> you're just going to accept it and like it, guys, I guess. Um, yeah. Plug your stuff. Where can people find you? Yeah, what are you um, up to? Like more Elizabeth. How do they get it in their life? So check out um, Final Girl Scout on all socials. I do. Well, I need to get my link tree back up on my Instagram, I believe. But that's got some varied projects that I'm working on, some uh, nonfiction essay type. You can just check it out. It's just got stuff, whatever, if you're bored. Um, but also, yeah, there's going to be some some cool stuff coming. Um, Hero Score, you need to check it out with me and Rachel uh, on YouTube and tune in to Bloody Good Horror every once in a while. And I'm yapping about something over there usually. So yeah, you do not want to miss an Elizabeth episode. No. I was so no, sad I didn't get to be on the Infinity Pool episode with you. Like, oh, <laughs> that's like the only time I've oh ever felt like like real FOMO. Like, I was like, oh, I wish I was there like, with them. <laughs> I feel like I just came to seven hours later with no one in the chat being like, and this is why it's great. And I love it because of the Like, I just I can't say enough about yeah. that movie. I'm just obsessed. Yeah. I saw it at oh, um, Sundance. And then nobody oh, else awesome. had seen it. And I like had to hold that movie by myself. <laughs> so like all I want to do is talk about That's a it. Heavy load to bear. Pun intended. Pun intended. <laughs> you guys. <laughs> Have you Okay, I'm done bringing filth to the podcast here. <laughs> I just no, want to be I want to I want to make sure. Have you seen all of his movies? Have you seen the his other two movies? I have not seen No, yes, I have. You've seen Antiviral? Yep. Okay, good. That's very important to me. So <laughs> but leading it. up to Infinity Pool, I saw Antiviral. I'd already seen Possessor. Possessor. Okay. Um, huge fan of both. Antiviral, like I I was in. Like I just that started my so like good. it was film one in my um revisiting the entire Cronenberg 
family mm-hmm. and their, mm-hmm. their collective body Cronin of work. fam. His yeah. uh-huh. daughter has something coming out soon. Yeah, yep. I'm so excited oh. to see what her perspective like, on body horror tell is. Tell me less. <laughs> the degree to which it. I am going to be throwing my body in front of publicists mm-hmm. when that comes out to get oh, her on the show. <laughs> you have Same. no idea. Please. <laughs> you, you need anyone else. Wait as much. All right. Awesome. Okay. So thank you. Like I said, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. This has been so much fun. That is it for us, unless you are sticking around for the extended episode. Um, Ariel. Yeah. Why don't you go and check us out? (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for another episode of More Deadly. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our review of Oma. And thank you to Elizabeth for joining us. This was a blast as always. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Missman Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Newell. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode, a.k.a. More Deadly After Dark. Uh, And we are going to be talking about something very, very dark tonight because Elizabeth taught us something before the show started, (laughs) something that is very germane to this podcast and one person's lived experience. Elizabeth, what are we talking about? Uh, We would be talking about the art of frogging. That is (laughs) P-H. R-O-G-G-I-N-G, wherein a person or persons inhabit a space in your home that perhaps you do not regularly account for. Uh, Let's say a mother-in-law suite. Um, You've got a third floor with two guest bedrooms, maybe one of those. Uh, Could be crawl space. But yeah, it's sort of a modern um, boxcar children type, like, mechanism walls. where what's that Dude in the walls in the wall yeah you've seen the boy you know it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is so creepy the idea that you could have yeah. people well one i can't even imagine living somewhere that is large enough that you could have wow. a room that goes completely unused and unnoticed oh but, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> but the reason though like so i was always like okay no my i grew up in a really um a house with a lot of activity, paranormal or otherwise, I'm not sure. Uh, things would go missing, moving, furniture moved around, noises all the time. Um, priests come bless, all the things, all the things. So when I would think about like, because before this was a thing, you know, I'm not Googling this at, you know, like nine years old. Like I'm, my mind is just going all the places. And of course you think, well, surely it's a person and not some entity sure. or demonic presence. Um I don't know if that's better or worse, honestly. Like, <laughs> my house was not. It was fairly small, which is what made it feel very, like, a real corporeal threat. Like, yeah. we didn't go into the attic because of the happenings and weirdness sort of in my house. So it sort of, like, um, became an isolated space that, like, we didn't inhabit. But there, I mean, something was up. And who am I to say that it was not a full-grown man named Brahms <laughs> wearing just wants a phantom Keith. of the Arapuramaros. He just yeah. wants a Keith. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll take it. 
That's fine. Somebody just like tell me that's what was happening. I just want an answer to the mystery. But frogging, it's a thing. Wild. Yeah. So people just like take over a room in somebody's house and just like hide yeah. out and don't the owners don't know what's happening. Right. And they like sneak food and they like find the rhythms of the family to where like they know like when they're out and when they can like come out and be loud so and creepy. Ooh, I'm, I'm reading a, a book house to my daughter. I'm terrified that's gonna right? happen to me. <laughs> Girl, you better sweep that shit. I'm reading a book too. I'm reading a book to my daughter right now about like uh, it's called like the dollhouse people and it's it, it's cool it's these little dolls that like they can only come out when the family's asleep or gone or oh, out of cute. town right and so they like have parties and like barbecues and play music and stuff when the family's not there and then they have to like go into doll state is what they call it like the minute they hear the door open it's a little like horror primer I kind of like yeah it. Like, oh, yeah do this. Because uh, then they might go into permanent doll state if a human sees them moving. Oh, shit. Oh. So every time I'm like, permanent doll state, Heidi's like, oh, no, not permanent doll state. <laughs> <laughs> I also wield that power and we'll put you there. So mm. Mom powers. Um, no, but like, yeah, it's it's that same sort of notion of like, uh, you know, just like a place you think you know, like the most familiar place being a place you don't at all. And like, it doesn't even have to be like that big a place. Like there are crawl spaces in many a home. You might live in an apartment. You don't know what's going on in the other units of this apartment. Mm -hmm. I, don't know. I know a bunch it of people can... just moved out of my building, and oh! we're gonna get oh! new people soon. Ribbit, 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 ribbit. And the in. reason it's called frogging is because they hop from pad to pad. Oh shit, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. Mm -hmm. That yeah, makes if you want to creep yourself out, just thoroughly go down a rabbit hole um, with your friend the internet and frogging. Well, I think we need to find out if if Ariel is having Let's has a frog. It. So this is an article from Brinks Home, Home Security. <laughs> Ooh, girl. Yep. Legit. And it is called How to Tell if Someone is Frogging in <gasps> Your Home. Oh, geez. Okay. So first of all, it says, okay, with the increased cost of housing, inflation, and unemployment caused by COVID-19, the U.S. is facing record high numbers of homelessness. That's yeah. Cool. As of January 2020, more than 580,000 people in the nation, that feels low actually, were classified as homeless according to the report by National Alliance to End Homelessness. And as the crisis continues, a terrifying possibility has some owners, homeowners worried. What is frogging? We've already described it, so we don't need to go into that. But there are a list of signs that you are a lily pad. Mm-hmm. How to tell if someone is in your home. So, Mar uh, Ariel, we're going to need you to yes or no this. Okay. And, uh, by the end, we will know definitively. Definitively. That's all right. If you are being frogged. Okay. 